show mob people swizzle here dan nathan there one o'clock on the east coast last monday in february letter g uh we go from february to march like that next thing you know yankee baseball everything's beautiful little nhl playoffs but that's not what we're here to talk about a little, Dan. A little NH- a- guy you're oh. gonna have a lot of NHL playoffs for your New York Rangers. I'm just well, telling you. Don't I'm telling see you that. that. Don't touch the. As oh, really? Oh, you can't says, have that? You don't you touch the money, man. You don't. You don't want to. You just let the season play itself out. You say that. All right, hold on a second. You say that. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? And you and I. I'm going to tell you something. We got one of the best jobs in the world. This morning, you and I we podcasted with Liz Young. Sure. You are from SoFi. Right now, we are going to podcast in just a shoot. Few short minutes. Wait, is this? I don't. I'm, I don't mean. I'm. I'm not being. I. Oh. We've been doing this long enough. I should know. Is this considered a podcast or is this a, a show um, on the YouTube? That's a good question. It no, goes I, into. It goes into the podcast stores. So, so it's we're podcast. Doing okay. So Carter Braxton Worth of we're charting. So we're going to do that, and then like later on in the afternoon, we're going to go do Fast Money with your friend and mine, Melissa Lee. I mean, how sure, she's like, back. She's back she from vacation. She was in. I, if I say where she was, is that daxing her? Okay, you can't so. dax her, doctor. But my point here is that we touch the money all day long. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're talking about markets. We're talking about where we think things might go. So going back to your Rangers, you you said you don't touch the money. They're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going deep. And this is the 30-year anniversary of their Stanley Cup win from 1994. So touch the money right now, guy. Get behind okay. them. I'm not going to do that, but oddly enough, um, one of the best teams and Amanda's like, "Oh my God, please no, stop!" It's fine. Monday. It's fine. No, but one of the best teams out west, obviously, you know, the East plays West, uh, is, are the Canucks of Vancouver. And you mentioned uh, 1994, the yeah. Rangers emerged victorious in a seven-game set against the aforementioned Correct. Vancouver Canucks. So maybe, maybe history is repeating itself. We shall see. But that's neither here nor there. Um, by the way. Nick's got to get healthy. Uh, there's some time left. Just got to sort of yeah. get into the playoffs. We'll see. Let's look at today's rundown, Dan Nathan, because that's what we're tasked to do. Yeah. Look at the wow. Rally around the world and look at that. There's like a little world there. It's a globe. It's a globe. It's beautiful. Somebody did it's a nice work. Ship wars. Ship yeah. wars. We're not talking about Tostitos, peeps. And of course, <laughs> Holy Buffett Batman. That's an homage uh, to Doug Cass. Because he's pointed out some reversals in Berkshire Hathaway. Also, though, a couple things on the Berkshire Hathaway front. They have a record amount of cash sitting around uh, idly by, waiting for a rainy day, as we put on the Instagram earlier. And there's something called the Buffett indicator that is flashing red light, green light, one, two, three. A lot of Buffett. But but I guess the point I'll just say this is that um, we're gonna we're gonna try to give our listener our viewer a sense of where we think things are going and mm. that's what we're trying to do with your your New York Rangers guy don't fight it buddy and and the other thing I'm gonna say this is we have chip wars up there mm-hmm. and we read your emails so please email us contact at risk reversal um, we read them all and we try to take in a lot of the um, you know a, a lot of the feedback we get a lot of a lot of it's good some of it's kind of like hey guys you should do less of that. Um, we talk about Nvidia a lot. We'll stop talking about Nvidia. I just said Nvidia, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We're gonna look at other chips today, guy. How's that? Why not? There are other ones. You know, there are other chips that we've actually mentioned and been positive on. I'm I'm off script here, but yeah. for example, if we looked at Broadcom, and I don't think they call it Broadcom anymore. Let's just throw a chart up real quick on the fly because that's what we do. Comes yep. out now AVGO. 
And people will look at the price tag of the stock and say, oh my God, this is a $1,200, $1,300 stock. It's got to be expensive. Actually, on valuation, it's not expensive at all. Of course, the problem is, and you can see the moving average there, You know, we are light years away from that moving average. And I'm not suggesting we're going to get there anytime soon, but this has been a lower left, upper right tech name, chip name that nobody talks about uh, that is actually reasonable on valuation. Yeah. So there are not names we've actually done well, a job with as well. Hey, well, let, let me let me do this. Okay, while we're on it, and I'm just going to mention NVIDIA uh, uh, again, I, I do think it's, it, and you made this point on many occasions, David Rosenberg of Rosenberg Research this morning was highlighting um, the fact that th- this is this is interesting. So he's saying that um, the main competitors are far behind. So he's talking about the monopoly, the position, um, you know, essentially investors think it's going to be in perpetuity. And so he's highlighting the fact that AMD, Intel, they're not there yet. We're going to take a look at Intel um with Carter um and but you know the, the interesting thing about the comp- so the supply constraint you know every day guy we keep hearing more and more um about the fact that you know, other people are coming online and that the lead times are lightening up. But Rosie makes this question, uh, this point. The question is, shouldn't a company with an effective monopoly and pricing power into AI induce CapEx boom in the next big tech space is not commanding a premium multiple? And this is something that you've been talking about, right? Um, but it doesn't. Nearly half the members of the SOX index trade at loftier valuations. And while the 34 times PE multiple um, may c- uh, seem overly excessive, it's almost, or it's actually 18% below the average. So I think that's just kind of interesting. So that's going on right now after a bang up, you know, report and a bang up guide, but you made the point guy that essentially the, um, you know, the, the uh, amount of the guide higher is the decelerating, right? And so that's what maybe investors are just kind of sniffing out right here. I, I, you would think so at a certain point. And we had an interesting conversation. We've had a lot of interesting conversations on the various podcasts that we do, but you know, one of the things we talked with, I believe it was helped Dan me Nats. on last week's. Exactly. Dan so totally and we fun. had a and we had a very good conversation. And you know, I pointed out the fact that on price to earnings, Nvidia is reasonable, if not relatively cheap, given their growth rate. The problem I have is obviously their price to revenues, which is probably now twenty-ish times. And yeah. you know, we were saying that they're effectively out kicking their coverage in terms of. You know, their earnings says one thing, their their price to revenue says it's something else. Now, the bulls will say they'll grow into that revenue. The bears will say it's just a matter of time before earnings catch up, right? In other words, they're not going to be able to hey, maintain 77% margins, and you're going to start to see a deterioration in earnings. We'll see, Dan. That's what makes markets, as they say. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, I just wanted to highlight that because, uh, again, you brought up the Broadcom. We're going to take a look at Intel. Um, and and there's a lot of other names that, again, you know, um, you know, there's other ways that you're going to be able to play this. Um, and there's going to be some valuations that seem really high that you probably want to buy because they're going to grow into them the way that NVIDIA did last year. And then there's others like Intel that trade well below a market multiple that don't seem to have the product. They don't seem to have demand for whatever product they're going to have in the not so distant future and they're going to trade you know very cheap probably for a reason but it's interesting that folks like david rosenberg who is a macro um you know strategist is drilling down on names like these that's why we bring some of this stuff up so there you go all right let's do it carter braxton worth of worth charting he's been waiting for us um we appreciate the patience there sir man how you doing 
Happy, uh, happy start of the week. That's the beauty of this. We get to do it all over again every Monday, right? Get to play it. You know what? You you lace them up and you and you get out there again, right. and that's what you do. So, again, here we are, Carter. Market again. Today's a pretty benign day. I don't want to make a big deal out of anything, but you know, you obviously have seen what's been going on in the broader market. Before we talk about this global thing, I, you know, are you seeing any signs of exhaustion whatsoever in any of the indices that we follow? Well, I mean, look, the most indices are in uptrends, obviously. This is the small cap, not really, but I mean, the major indices are in uptrends in Europe, in, in Asia, whether it's the Nikkei or uh, the US and S&P. And we know that it's an intermediate advance, right? It's not a week old or four weeks old. It's now a fairly mature intermediate advance, mid-October to uh, mid-late February and up some 23, 24, 25%, depending on which aggregate you want to look at. And so the question is, right, uh, can that continue? Sure, it can. Um, can one also say it's just that? It's a mature intermediate advance, and it's due for some sort of counter trend, which is a sell-off, a counter trend, which is a dip, a counter trend, which is a decline or a drop or a plunge or a drawdown. Uh, you choose the words. The point is that, sure, that also is a very reasonable thesis, and there are very smart people on both sides making the case for a continuation of this, nothing's wrong, and making the case for, look, pull in your horns, it's been a great recovery. But one thing to note is that recency is a powerful phenomenon mm-hmm. in mind. When we were at 5% and 10-year yields, higher for longer, so breathy, and so, so oh boy, and guess what? Rates didn't go higher for longer. They dropped from 5 to 3.8. If you put the chart of the S&P back on there, when we were there in those highs in August, Strategists were stumbling over themselves on Wall Street to raise their price targets. New all-time highs coming in 2023. What happened? They're just extrapolating what was going on. Instead, the market plunged. It dropped from August to October. In October, at the low, oh my God, it's over. Uh, the, 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 the rates are going to go higher for longer. Stocks are in trouble. Of course, what happened? They did the exact opposite. And now people, again, oh, it's all fine. Listen, you know, stay away from all that. I think you try to operate in intermediate timeframes this is a mature intermediate move. Hey, Carter, you know, this morning with Liz Young, um, Guy and I on On The Tape podcast, which probably just dropped in your favorite podcast store there, people, um, we were talking about the last time that the 10-year yield was at basically 4.3%. It was early to mid-December. It was on its way to 3.8%. It was down from 5%. And the S&P was at 4,600. So you guys, in your in your mind eye, you could just draw that horizontal line from those July highs that Carter just talked about, right? When everyone was tripping over themselves. Oh, look at that. They're going to just draw it on our nice little fact set machine there. Um, And where were we, right? So we were at 4,600 in mid-December. We had that breakout when the Fed basically had that mid December presser and uh, investors were convinced, right, that rates were going much, much lower over the course of 2024. And it caused that huge move higher than we had a bit of a consolidation. So I guess my point is the last time we were at 4.3, Carter, the S&P was at 4,600. You know, a pullback to that 4,600 level might be the most bullish thing that could happen for all of those S&P targets that are at 5,400, 5,500, looking out a year or so. Thoughts on that thought process there? Yeah, I mean, in terms of rates, I mean, it is, it is again, it's the recency. It's extrapolating what's going on. If one has looked at two-year chart of yields, we have been basically between three and a half and five, anchored to four. Now, all of the variations, we get down to three, five, oh boy, oh boy, recession. We get to five, higher for longer, oh boy, oh boy. The truth is, there's no way around this, that we've had a 
10-year money has been a cost of 10 at 4% for two years. That should be absolute Goldilocks. No one should speak of yields. It's, it's not seven and it's not two. And yet it is the subject of the day and the Fed watchers and all this. It's, it's absolutely, it, they're coconuts, uh, all of them. Uh, the truth is that the cost of money is a perfect level if one wants to believe in the Goldilocks scenario. Uh, but in terms of your comment about the S&P, you want to have uh, counter trend moves, which set up a continuation of the prevailing trend. And so I would just argue that whether you're bullish or bearish, you want some sort of, expect some sort of, would uh, hope for some sort of give back here. The bull of course, because it resets things, then it can go and stretch again. And the bear, because, aha, it won't be just a pullback. It'll be the big one. But the point is, uh, down from here is good in all scenarios. You know, it would, be, it would be wonderful if there was an index that sort of encompassed somewhere between 83 and 86% of all investable securities in the world. So you can have an idea of what's really going on. But as it turns out, Carter, it's not just a great idea. It actually exists. And you've brought forth some charts that show that maybe uh, things seem to be peaking here. So let's walk through the MSCI Global Index. Right. So what we did, the note for clients just, uh, on Sunday was just trying to make the point, not about necessarily the direction from here, but that equities as an asset class, mm -hmm. not German equities or Polish equities, not U.S. equities, large or small, not growth or value, not Russian equities, Israeli equities, equities as an asset class globally, all of them, as measured by the MSCI All Country World Index, have just now, as of last week, recouped all their losses, which is we've made it back to the surface of the pool from a long way down, and equities have recouped all losses associated with the bear market of 2022. So this is a chart, weekly bar chart of that index. Let's put some lines in just to make a point. You drop 30% and you got to climb back 42 to get back to even. Um, and you'll see on the next iteration, we are literally to the penny at the all-time high. We closed on Friday at 761 spot 18. And the all-time high on 4 January 2022 was 761 spot 21. Let's put a line in there. And this is what it is. So the question is, um, now the S&P was able to return to its former high and exceed it. It's about 5% above the Russell 3000, about three. But more often than not, you back and fill uh, before ultimately being able to exceed a former high. So we might have some other uh, tables and charts here. But just to put this in context, what we're talking about now, look at those numbers in the first column. So this is, this is almost 50% larger than the S&P 500. Substantially larger than Russell 3000, which of course is the S&P 500 plus the next 2,500 stocks. And we are literally to the penny at the former high. Uh, and so it does speak to a couple of things, what to interpret. The, the first thing is all of the cheerleaders, they've been cheerleading because they made it back to the surface without drowning. Okay, There were people just as bullish then as they are now. I don't want to talk about what happened over the ensuing past two years. The street is always bullish. In fact, the two strategists, names not to be uh, disclosed, who at that peak on 4 January had the highest price targets for the S&P 500, have the highest price targets now for the S&P 500. Forget about the fact they had the little dipsy do along the way. Bulls are always bullish. Bears are often always bearish. Um, and pigs get slaughtered. Let's keep going. Uh, one more. Uh, this is the makeup of the MSAI All Country World Index, the 70 plus trillion. It's uh, largely very similar to the makeup of the S&P in terms of weights. 
And then finally, just to see what it is, it again is just to make a point, 24 developed markets, 24 emerging markets, developed, of course, is mature, like Canada or the US or the UK, and obviously emerging is less mature, whether that's Indonesia or Czech Republic. But the point is, this is it. And the point of the exercise today was to say, okay, all of the damage, all the bleeding is stopped, all the band-aids can be taken off, now what? And I'm not quite sure I know the answer to that, but I would say in the first instance, and we'll end it here, that you don't move quickly above a former high. You have to contend with it. Yeah, that's great work. I saw it over the weekend, Carter, and um, I just, we thought we got to hit this because, you know, like that last point there, okay, the global market capitalization, 71.1 trillion. I think it's important to recognize this, that Microsoft, Apple, and NVIDIA make up what, more than 10% of the weight, right, of of that global thing. So when we've talked about the concentration here in the U.S., right, just think about the concentration of a handful of names as far as it means for the globe. The fact that we've already had the S&P a little bit on a runaway breakout above the prior highs, that this much larger index, right, is just back to there, it does speak to the lack of breadth. So when we talk about this concentration, it doesn't just mean what it means for the U.S., it also means it for the globe. And to me, I just find that kind of troubling because we know that a lot of these multiples around the globe are probably much less um, than ours, right? And, and they just look that much more expensive. So I just, just to put a too, uh, too fine a point on that, thank you very much for that. Let's move to a, a laggard in the semi space. And I know your take on the whole idea of just kind of not buying laggards in a raging bull market. Like ultimately you might get a little catch up, but that's not where you're going to get a lot of outperformance. Let's just look at Intel because I think this is interesting guy. Maybe I can get your take first on this idea. Cause you've used this expression on, on, on our pods and on fast money that, uh, you know, Intel might be a kind of reshoring play, a, a national security sort of play. When you think about this move that Pat Gelsinger, the CEO has made into the idea that they're going to create their own factories to build chips. And so this article right here is highlighting the fact that you might see, you know, uh, with this capacity constraint, you might see from NVIDIA or AMD or some of their actual competitors look to Intel to actually help manufacture some of these GPU chips. Like, talk to me a little bit about this. And and uh, we don't have a sense how quickly this will kind of play out, but it might help the sentiment regarding Intel near term. Well, and I think in terms of playing out, I mean, it typically takes, I think, six to 10 years to build places like this at an extraordinary cost in terms of just investment dollars. However, if the market sniffs what you just said out, obviously the market is forward looking. So I think you're going to start to see things kick in in terms of what Intel could possibly be, how they try to reinvent themselves. And I do think there's, again, it's not a 100% chance, but I think there's a 25 to 30% chance that people look to Intel as sort of a homeland security play as well, in terms of what's going on globally, in terms of some obviously the nationalistic instincts, especially around the chip sector. So there's a lot, there are many things to like about the potential for Intel. Of course, the problem is they've been left on the wayside. They've been left on the side of the road in terms of where the chip world is and where they've been. Their data center has lagged now probably for the last two and a half or three years. And that obviously has been the big driver for a lot of these other chip names. So this is not a ringing endorsement for Intel, but I want people to be aware that if you're looking for a play here that 
may sort of play out over the next couple of years. Intel's not, it's sort of interesting, I think. Sort of interesting. I mean, Carter, and I know you don't care about this sort of stuff, but again, you know, um, earnings after a big decline last year, and they basically have mis-executed. I mean, they were doing in 2021, five and a half dollars worth of earnings. Last year, they did a dollar five, just to put that. So any increase that you have, if you see, oh, this year, they're supposed to be up 26%, 65%, it's going to take them years to get back to their peak mm-hmm. earnings. And then when you think about their margins, 43% versus 53% for AMD versus 77% in this last quarter for NVIDIA, it's not the same sort of story. But if the rising tide is going to list all boats and there's new narratives, like is this one just from a technical standpoint, like taking a look at, is it something that's starting to pique your interest? It's all right. I mean, I think the key is there's life cycles. I mean, you know, let's just to be clear, Lily was a dud. I mean, it was like a yawn. Pfizer's the big player, the big heavy player, two, three times the market cap. Things change. Intel was was God. Intel's not what it was. IBM or Cisco. It and it just you got to be on the right side of uh, momentum, not necessarily price momentum, but price momentum reflects momentum on the income statement. Reflects momentum in the future and the operating leverage and all of the things that you're speaking of. And so, you know, there are good and bad phases in 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 a political career, a sports career, and a stock career. And uh, you know, Intel's not uh, obviously in the best spot compared to others, but the chart's not so bad. Let's look at it. Uh, we might have. Um, I want to start with this long term, just to put in context. Now we've got the same long term chart twice. This is logarithmic, which really puts in context how big that 1985 to the dot com mm-hmm. peak move is. Let's flip it to arithmetic. Now you can really see uh, it's just it's the same chart. I know that's it's mind blowing, but I mean that's the nature of arithmetic versus logarithmic. So let's toggle again. And so you have this very steady. Now let's go to the first. Let's toggle. But first, this an incredible, basically from pennies, 30 cents to $70. And Intel has never gotten back to its dot-com peak. Now we look at the arithmetic to really put it in perspective, right? And so you're talking about a stock that at its high was 75, is trading at 45 now, which means adjusted for inflation, it's down about 85%. I mean, basically things wiped out. Um, in terms of the more important here and now chart, uh, the, uh, the this is what my eye sees. So we've been ascending in this channel. We're at the midpoint. It's really a pair of twos. Like there's nothing about this that would make me bet big. I, it doesn't jump out as an all as an exciting short or a long. Now, could one, and this is uh, this is in the eye of the practitioner, could one see a minor head and shoulders forming since December? Head and shoulders top, and this is about sure. But you know, you have to be careful. You can see anything you want. I would just, rather than annotating it that way, I would call this a pair of twos, which is to say, fold, get rid of the hand, move on to a different one. Don't put more money in it, long or short. Yeah, guy. You know, one of the things that we often take a look at the options market and just kind of get a sense for like implied movement over a period of time, right? So, like, just to give you a little clarity, let's just say you thought they're going to get their act together. Maybe that some of the factories that they started building under Gelsinger, you know what I mean, are coming online sooner than they expected. Maybe they get a big contract for something that starts in 2025, right? Well, investors would start to buy the stock in anticipation of that, especially in this sort of frenzy. You know, I look at it like July expiration. The stock's trading at 43. 25 right now the 43 call the at the money call which is slightly in the money will cost you about four and a quarter that break even is up at 
47 and a quarter. You know, that's not a great risk reward. Let's just say the stock goes sideways just for the honor to own that call, right? Between Mm -hmm. now and July, you could bleed out, you know, 5% pretty easily over the next few months or so. This is one of the reasons why Carter Braxton Worth, if you're a subscriber to work charting, he's often selling premium and, and you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. And so I just highlight that guy is that if you were to buy an at the money call in July expiration, right? You know, you have a break even up about 10%. That's a hard way to make money. And I'm just curious your thoughts because Carter's saying to fold them here. Well, that's you're right. I mean, we call that theta bleed, I think, Dan, if I'm not mistaken, in the business. And you know, what's happened to Intel, forget about the fact that they've been sort of again left on the side of the road in terms of where the technology has gone. They're also being left on the side of the road in terms of, you know investable dollars out there. Nobody's going to look at Intel looking to make two or 3% over the course of a couple of months when you could potentially make two or 3% in the course of a couple hours and some of these other high flyers. So the investment dollars, the trading dollars are just not making their way to Intel either. So it's sort of a double whammy thing here in the environment that we find ourselves in. You know, Intel, look, you can't do the counterfactual, I know, but if if names like NVIDIA and these other things didn't exist in the form of the way they're trading, you know, maybe Intel would be garnering more love. But when you see a stock that can move 10, 15 or 20 percent over the course of a month, there's no way you're going to be looking at Intel in this environment that's going to move a percent or two over the course of the same period of time. No doubt. Um, here's one guy that I want to hit and we'd love to get Carter's take on. Um, this would be the alphabet. You call it the Google. Um, last week, uh, we took a look. I think it was on Tuesday at this one when the stock was 141 and detailed a bearish trade in the options market looking at that kind of at the money strike here. And Carter, I just want to get your take because I drew two trend lines. That's 150 day moving average. You can see that it's it's kind of like tracking that uptrend that's been in place over the last few months. And here we are, we're kind of breaching that. And then I drew a trend line from the year ago low. Which one in your opinion, and this is me being an avatar for the viewer, the listener here, which trend line has more authority? This one, the stock has not tested it yet. It's about to, you can see that. And the other one, it's through that shorter term one. Yeah, they're, they're the same thing. I mean, that, 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 so if we go back to the original chart there with both, yeah. what the moving average is meant to do is it's meant to act as an automated trend line. And so uh, whether you're, you're talking about pennies in terms of percent, whether it's stopping in 138 or 133. And so the point is, is this down to a level where rebound potential is high? It has that aspect, but the defect is the drop in gap of February. The yeah. defect is the poor relative strength. Every day, SPY ticks higher, this not participating. Uh, this is the poor relative strength, whereas Meta's making a new intermediate high. So is, uh, so is Microsoft, right? Uh, so is SMH. And so Google's performance is worrisome. I would, uh, to my eye, this is what a hold is, not Wall Street's wink, wink, euphemism for sell. If you have it, you hold it. I wouldn't add. Uh, and I wouldn't uh, sort of reduce either. I would just stay with the position you have and then uh, see yeah. from there. Guy, do you, it stock's down 4% as we're talking. Yeah. There is no news other than no. what a lot of folks, pundits, investors tweeting about, you know, some analysts are talking about. Um, this is pretty bad action to the point that Carter just made. Some of its perceived peers that trade at higher multiples are trading much better, making new highs. What, what do you make of this price action right here? Well, I mean, if we could put up a longer term chart and you'll you'll see that the high we made back in the fall of 2021 
was effectively the same level we just traded up to, you'll see that not only are you breaking down in terms of these uptrend lines, but yeah. you know you can see that as clear as day, Carter. You can opine here as well. I mean, you want to say what you want, but that's pretty textbook in terms of double top and the duration being a few years is a pretty powerful one. You obviously had the huge move to the upside, topped out again in November of 2021. We know what happened in the subsequent months. We've got it all the way back, seemingly have failed. So, you know, this uptrend line that was either on or broken through to the downside, I think is really important in the context of those prior highs, Dan. Yeah, Carter, talk to yeah, us. Yeah, well, look, there are two services. So they're in stocks are in getting stocks that are sitting down at their lows of the market low. But most stocks have either returned to the former high and are contending with it. This is the category for Google, or they've returned to it and exceeded it. That's the category uh, for Microsoft, right? So that's the category for NVIDIA. And so for now, it's really just a hold. Again, uh, there's nothing so worrisome about this day to day other than. You know, it does need to start to so show some life in the coming days, weeks. Otherwise, it will have all the aspects of something that's rolling over. For now, again, something that moves from 80 to 150 is entitled to back and fill at mm -hmm. 140. Nothing wrong yet. Yeah. All right. And what, one, one other name um, here I'd love to get your take on. It, and it's something that, um, you know, like the fundamental story has not been good. The news has not been good. But since the gap last month, the stock has kind of been consolidating. This is Tesla here. Let's just pull up a one-year sort of chart here. You see the gap that it's yet to fill in, um, you know, but it's been consolidating a little bit. And today was up, you know, right out of the gate, a couple percent here. And, you know, I just want to pull up this other chart. Um, this is a five-year chart. And, you know, you you guys know what it looks like. We've been talking about it. But the, the, the many points that you can kind of attach here, Carter, is pretty astounding. It's not, it's not like it's not that often that you get such a well-defined downtrend over a long period of time in such a well-trafficked stock. Talk to us about our charts, but you brought some other charts that actually make the thing look a little different here. We'd love to get your take on it. Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is one of the, you know, Bitcoin is the same thing. The greatest winner of all, there was nothing close to it, Tesla or Bitcoin. The greatest loser of all, the plunge, 400 to 100, what the, what's that? I mean, try that out on the Harvard Endowment. Oh, guys, yeah, we just can't open the dorms this year. We blew it. We put it all in in uh, Tesla bummer. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a, <laughs> what it has not been a responsible asset. Okay. Mm -hmm. That volatility, it makes it for many uh, people whose mandates are very clear, unacceptable. Right. And again, I, I tongue in cheek, but if you put too money, too much money in that and you're running you know, the life savings for nurses and firemen and police and uh, the pension plan, and you have the thing dropping four and a hundred people like, w w what are you doing? <laughs> Where's the Microsoft, please? Uh, so the point is, look, uh, this is how I would draw the lines. It's the same. The lines draw themselves. So I take that back. It's not first person singular. They are what they are. Um, and uh, to my eye, this is a pair of twos. If we tighten it up uh, and put the same lines in, we're sitting here. And even just to fill the gap higher, uh, it's 2%. It's just there's no discernible immediate opportunity, long or short. Or which is to say, it's it's fifty fifty. Jump ball. It can move up ten percent just as easily as it can move down ten uh, percent. Uh, in think, my opinion, I, I think that's exactly right. You know, we've outlined some levels a few times over the last couple of months. And if you go back to the original chart with the hundred and fifty day moving average, here's what strikes me, Dan. You know, for the first time in a while, uh, and if you do a longer term chart, it probably actually looks even. You can see where we are in terms of. 150-day moving average, we have now started, and you can see it as clear as day, 
And there is now a downturn in that. So I think what Carter will say correctly is, you know, you still can trade to the upside and this downtrend is intact and that moving average is going to still be pointing lower. So I think you're looking for an opportunity. You're waiting for that bounce to sort of pounce again in terms of a bearish position, whether it's vis-a-vis options or outright stock. I don't think this has been fixed at all. I think what we're seeing now is a bounced, maybe an oversold condition, but the technical stance suggests we are now in what should be a bear market for the stock. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that's a great point, Guy. I mean, like I'm I the thing that why this caught my eye is I'd love to see it bounce to the 150-day moving average, fill in that gap because I think it would set up as a, a great short again. I've been kind of sitting and kind of waiting for that opportunity because I do feel it's a bit of no man's land. Everyone knows the fundamental story <laughs> is really bad, not just for them, but across the entire industry and globally. So I'd love to see some irrational, what I think is irrational price action to the upside to give you the opportunity to sell again. Um, here's a headline that just crosses. And I think this is really important here. And it goes back to some of that initial uh, conversation that we had about AI and this big secular ship. You U.S. corporate bond sales hit $153 billion in February um, to set a record, okay? So what's interesting to me about this, and Rosie was talking about this in his report this morning, is that U.S. corporates are setting up for a big CapEx move, okay? So that's the thing, right, that's booing this AI trade. And I just think that is really interesting. Now, I want to go to another chart. We kind of alluded to it, but uh, Amanda just made it, and she's going to throw it up there. This is the S&P versus the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. And Carter, you can give us your sense whether this is, you know, this is not on Amanda. I asked her to do this, um, but she did it. It looks nice here. And I think if you are bullish on this CapEx build and you think this is going to be something for here on, you want, to your point, you'd love to see if yields are going to continue to tick higher, an intersection of those lines. Again, the white being the S&P, the yellow being the 10-year at some point, and set up for a kind of bullish move higher based on all this other stuff. Thoughts on the chart, Carter, and then and Guy, obviously, I want to get your take on Yeah, that. no, I mean, the chart tells a certain story from this time frame where you've started. If you if you, if you change the time frame, uh, you'd get a very different message, meaning there is this premise that the uh, yields are low, multiples are high. But if that were always the case, let's see, on the COVID low, when 10-year Treasury yields were 30 basis points, stock market should have been S&P 10,000. It wasn't, uh, right? The point is that, uh, and if you tried this just for fun on a 10-year chart, it's all over the place. Uh, yeah. Over time, yes, and with exceptions, uh, there is uh, a relationship or inverse between what the cost of 10-year money, the risk-free rate, whether you want to call it that way, and how people do their DCF models. But on any given six or 12-month period, uh, it's random. And uh, for now, the market uh, has all these vacillations. And again, with a brief uh, dip below, over two years, we've been high of 5.02 and a low of 3.5. And, and we're sitting here at 4. And yet the stock market had wild gyrations uh, anticipating um, moves higher and lower in yields, and none of it's happened. We're, we're literally stuck at 4%. So I look at this, and obviously the correlation was, you know, I don't want to say it's one-to-one, -one, but there was obviously a correlation as yields were going higher, the stock market was going higher. And one of the things that we talked about at the time was there'll be a point in time or there'll be a point in this trend line where yields going higher are no longer bullish for equities. And it turns out I don't know, it's probably somewhere around four and a half percent or so. And you can see that's when things started to disconnect in terms of yields going higher and the market actually starting to go lower. 
Now, obviously, everything changed. As yields started coming down in a precipitous fashion, the market got on its horse. Now, the question you have to ask yourself here is, you know, are we back in the normal paradigm of yields going higher because the economy's better, the economy's better, the stock market's going to do well, or are yields going higher for different reasons? But we're definitely getting close, Dan, I think, to that point in time where the market's going to make a decision that higher yields are no longer bullish for equities. And I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to illustrate this chart. All right. Um, so Doug Cass hit us earlier today, uh, Real Money, obviously Seabreeze Capital. And, and I thought uh, his comment about um, the Berkshire Hathaway, the earnings um, guy, you um, have something to say uh, on that. But the reversal was really interesting for a, a stock of this size, for a stock of this nature. Right? You know what I mean? It's not one. Look at just that kind of gap open. And then it's just kind of barely seen an uptick um, all day long. Thoughts there, Guy, because again, this is going to be, Berkshire Hathaway is going to be a very different story in the not-so-distant future than it was for the very long past that we've all become to know that name. So I'm just curious, you know, what what your take is on this. I think, don't be, I mean, this is really important, I think, because, and Doug will know this better than I, but I do believe today the Berkshire B shares, $430 a share was an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're seeing the reversal today. If we can put up a chart, you know, shorter term chart, you'll see again what appears to be a bit of an engulfing. There's your, there it is right there. I mean, that's a pretty powerful engulfing pattern at again at an all time high on what's been decent volume. So you can <laughs> glean anything you want. You know, maybe the report, maybe the, it was sort of sell the news type of thing after the initial reaction. But I will tell you, you can't discount formations like this, Carter. And I don't want to take up much more of your time. But you look at something like this. If this were to continue, this is a pretty powerful technical signal, I think. Yeah, sure. It's exhaustion, right? So you get it at the end of an intermediate move down. It's going down and down and down. And then all of a sudden, it has this huge, shocking new low and reverses and closes on the high. And it sets the low. In this instance, it's the reciprocal, an intermediate move that's getting to be steeper and steeper, and it makes yet new highs as it opens up and then fades. And it's it's the it's the it's the young uh, you know schoolboy slipping off the chin up bar. He's done a lot, and then he just can't keep it going. And he, it's a reversal. Some people call it a key reversal day. Some people call it an outside day where the high is higher and the low is higher on the bar of the preceding uh, day's range. But it, it's, it, it signals uh, exhaustion, the end uh, typically of an intermediate advance. And uh, look, Berkshire's been a, a great winner, interestingly, and yet still a loser. Did you know that Berkshire's relative performance, the S&P, peaked? at the low in 0809 it is still not recouped its relative losses which is to say berkshire was going down in 0809 but going down so much less than the s&p that it is yet to recoup its relative losses associated with its excess alpha in 0809 when warren buffett literally was backstopping everyone including yeah. Goldman Sachs. and real yeah. quick dan before we, we get out of here you know doug is saying he's been following berkshire his entire career he was the accredited bear at their invest at their yep. conference in 2015, I think, and he's saying to me now that he has never seen in his tenure a move of this magnitude in intraday. And I'll take his word for it. But you know, you can look at this chart if you don't believe me or him. If you look at the chart, I mean, we could do longer term, I'm sure. But again, this is something. Again, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. We're just pointing it out to point it out. But when you see something like this, you know, if we're doing a show like we do each day, it's incumbent on us to point it out. 
So you're saying see something, say something. I mean, listen, let's not let, let's be that. Frank. Yeah, I guess that's right. Carter's been talking about the poor relative strength of Apple for for you know a year or so. It's its largest holding. It's down nearly six percent on the year. So like, there's stuff that they own that's just not performing that well relative to the S and P, despite the fact that you know that Warren Buffett is the Oracle of Omaha. Last thing, I promise before we get out of here, I want to do this tomorrow morning. Lowe's before the opening guy. Not a small company. You see, it's a nice little run here, right? It was trading at 52-week lows uh, back in, in late last year um, in October. You know, it's cut all the way back here. This company is going to report their fiscal Q4 results tomorrow morning before the opening. They're expected to have an earnings decline and a sales decline in 2025. Trades about 18 times. Thoughts, Guy, on fundamentals, because there's a lot of names related to the housing trade they're doing pretty well i was looking at the the williams sonoma is making new all-time highs mm-hmm. today we've seen how the home builders have been acting despite mortgage rates where they are and rates where they are and and, and the upward trajectory of rates of late thoughts here into the print implied move four percent either direction so i'll say this is what i think is going to happen and if i'm wrong i'll be the first to say it tomorrow but i think there's a very good chance that you get a knee-jerk reaction higher i don't know if you're going to test the highs we saw in november december of 2021 but i think you could get close maybe in the realm of 250 or so. And I think you talked about exhaustion earlier. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Lowe's trades at a discount to Home Depot, which, you know, maybe they should. I, you know, I, we, we can have that argument or not. It's a very good company. They've gotten themselves in a much better position than they were many years ago when it was sort of Home Depot's world and everybody else was living in it. However, I do think there's going to be one of these exhaustion-type moves to the upside post-earnings that I think you want to take advantage of. And if that's the case, Maybe we'll outline an options trade tomorrow. Fair enough. Carter, thoughts real quickly. Yeah, I mean, Home Depot barely budged on its earnings last week. Uh, literally six basis points. Uh, the implied move was probably 300. The implied move probably is about 300 for lows. Uh, I expect it to be a non-event. This would, too, be a hold. It's just, if you own it, you hold it. Um, but there are two types of players. A lot of uh, players never, ever go uh, and make bets before earnings. Uh, their mandate doesn't allow it. They want to act after. A lot of people want to speculate and catch that pop or drop. And so it's to each his own. All right, that's it. Rangers had a tough night in Columbus last night. They were looking for a organization record of 11 straight wins. They did not emerge victorious. They seem to have some tired legs having played the day before. No excuse. Um We'll get back on Wednesday. We got Columbus at home. So it's sort of a home and home. Dan, as you know, Yankees are playing as we speak. For you Met fans, it doesn't even matter what the Mets are doing because nobody particularly cares. We will be back tomorrow, though. Tomorrow's a CME day. I want to thank Carter Worth. And by the way, our YouTube channel continues to grow by the day. Please subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything but a keystroke. Uh, we're looking to breach the 100,000 subscriber level, which we're hoping to do by. Maybe Memorial. What's the first one? Memorial Day Memorial. in the summer. Then it's yeah. Labor Day, right? Labor yeah. Day comes afterwards. So, yeah. And, you know, like our shit. You know, leave some comments and stuff. Why not? Everybody can do it. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, all Carter. Right. Worth of War Charting. Thanks to all you guys for being here. Thanks to our sponsors. And, Guy, I'll see you later. Five o'clock. Fast money. Be there, people.